in a world that does not want Jesus or that does not want him to be here. You sang, make me a servant. And in that latter part of the first stanza, I don't know if you realize what you said or what you sung, but you sung, do what you must do to make me a servant. Listen to what you're singing. Listen to what you're asking God to do. You do whatever you must do in this life to help me to realize what I need to do to be a servant. The surrender of self, the commitment to God, the willingness to follow Him in the life that we live, to be faithful unto Him until the end of our days, so that indeed eternal life may be ours. We're given the scriptures to admonish us, to challenge us, to rebuke us, to encourage us. And this life that we live as a child of God, do we remember, as we're discussing on Wednesday evening, why do you come? Why are you here? What's in your mind as you made the preparation? What's in your heart as you made the entrance into this auditorium? This morning, this evening, Wednesday, any other time that we would be happen to meet, what is your purpose? We can say we're here to serve God. But if we're not careful, we fall into the trap that Israel of old fell into, that Jesus would rebuke them in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 15. Those who thought they were serving God. Down in verse 7 of Matthew 15. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Do we listen to those words? Do they prick the heart? 
to be reminded that there may be a time or a case or a situation when we've come together to worship God, but that it be in vain. We give the lip service, but the heart is far from God. It's tradition, is it? Is it tradition with us? Or does it go any deeper than that? Paul, in writing to the Romans in the 12th chapter, had these words to say. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us. Let us use them in prophecy. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry. Let us use it to the ministry. He who teaches to teaching, he who exhorts to exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I beseech you, I beg you, I urge you, I challenge you, I exhort you, whatever may be there, I challenge you, Paul is saying to these Romans who are Christians. Be that in the city of Rome, some of them may be in the Caesar's household. I'm begging you by the mercies that God gives that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. But see the contrast between what they did of old and what's being asked of them in this new covenant that we have with God. Under the old, they offered a sacrifice. It was an animal sacrifice. The animal lost his life when he was offered as a sacrifice. He was killed and his blood was spilt as that sacrifice. 
I'm begging you by God's mercy. You give your body. What's he talking about? What you have. Your body. Your physical life. You give that to God as a living sacrifice. I'll be a friend to Jesus. Listen to what we sung. Lord, make me a servant. Do what you must do to make me a servant like you. You give the life that you live as a living sacrifice to God. You are no longer yours. You've been bought with a price. Galatians 2 and verse 20. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. I no longer live. This body is a living sacrifice to God. Make it holy. Make it acceptable. Make it pleasing. If you're going to do that, you have to think about what you are doing. And understand that as you do that, all you're doing is giving your reasonable service to God. Jesus would remind us in Luke 17 in verse 10, when you've done everything that is expected of you, all that you can say is that we are an unprofitable servant. We're only done what was expected of us. When I do everything that I can do, when I use every talent that I've been given, when I multiply the talents that I have and God has blessed me, all I can say is I'm still an unprofitable servant. I've done no more than what was expected out of me as a servant. And I can do no less than give all that I have as a servant to God. Learn not to be conformed to this world. The world will constantly strive to cause you to change your mold to be more like the world. They do it in a variety of different ways. They do it by taking passages of Scripture and then twisting them, distorting them, mocking them, ridiculing them to say how foolish it is to even try to live this type of life. Or by saying you're foolish to restrict your life. Everything God has made is good and you want to enjoy it to the hilt. Do not let the world mold you. But you need to be transformed. You need to be changed. You need to move from the caterpillar to the butterfly. And as the butterfly, you should have no attraction to the caterpillar or to the ways of the caterpillar. You've left those behind. We've become this new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a new life. It's a new purpose. It's a new direction. So we leave the old behind, and how do we do that? He says, by the renewing of your mind. The mind is a powerful force that God has given to us. It's the mind that causes us to do so many things in our life. It's the mind that tells you when that alarm goes off in the morning, it's time to get up and go to work. 
You may not feel like getting up. But you know that this is what is expected. And that, what, and that which is expected of us by God is nothing less than we would want to give to God. How could you want to give to God anything less than what you have? When he gave his all for you. How would you want, why would you want to give anything less to him? You renew the mind, you make the mindset, you make that determination. We do it again in the physical world, we make that mindset, we do things that we may not like to do. The problem in the physical world, sometimes we do all of that, but we can be mumbling and grumbling under, under our breath. But in the spiritual realm, how could we do that? When I know that whatever God has asked of me, whatever God expects from me, is only to be used to glorify Him in light of what He's done for me. How can I complain about that? How can I complain that He's given me life? Given me breath? Given me a world in which to live and to behold the beauty that is there. To give me a glimpse of eternity. And the concept of the thought, of, again, of just being able one day, as a child of God who's faithful to Him, to see God face to face, to see Jesus face to face. To be at the throne of the living God, where there is no sun because God is its light where no evil will come in to destroy. And it will be the praise and the worship and the service given to God there. You renew the mind in order that you may prove what is that good will of God. Understand that it is good. Whatever He's asked of you, whatever restraint He's placed upon you is for your good. And that it is acceptable. Your life is to be an acceptable sacrifice unto God. It's hard. It's hard to read Malachi. Chapter 1 particularly, but all of Malachi. It's a short book, you can read it. Find Matthew, go one book before it. But you read Malachi. Mm. To think that God's chosen people, blessed and enriched by God, could believe that they could offer to God that which was lame, blind, and sick, and God would be pleased with it. Malachi, the Lord tells Malachi, go on, <coughs> excuse me. Go offer that to your governor. See if he would be pleased with that. Go give it to the king. Go up to the king and say, listen, I got a lamb that's just about to die, it's sick, and it's handicapped, and I want, you to, I want to give it to you as a gift. How do you think he would respond? And you do that with your life to God? 
You're the sacrifice. You're the sacrifice. Is it lame? Is it blind? Is it sick? You're the sacrifice. What type of sacrifice are you offering to God? Mm. Well, we have the scriptures there. To, as Paul is saying, listen, I am beseeching. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. In light of what God has done for you. What is, in light of what God is doing with you. In light of what God wants to do for you in eternity. Please change the life. While you have that opportunity. And that perfect will of God. That, com- that complete will of God. Understand what is there. It's perfect. It's lacking nothing. Everything that we have that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us. All we have to do is to follow it and to love it. Again, Israel of old was told. The rich young ruler who came to ask Jesus what he needed to do to have eternal life. Keep the commandments. He said, I've kept them from my youth up. What do I lack yet? Go sell what you have. Oh, I can't, <laughs> can't do that. So in essence, when one makes that statement, I've done everything that the Lord has asked of me. The question is, have you? Have you loved the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind? Have you loved Him that way? Do you find it a joy to be in the house of the Lord Praising God for His gracious gift of Jesus Christ. Do you find it the joy as the psalmist said, I, I was glad when they said, let us go up to the house of the Lord. I was glad. The joy to be in the house of the Lord. And I say through the grace that is given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We have that tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we really ought to think. Sometimes we just do not recognize it. You ever walk by somebody and you said hello to them and they just kept on walking? And you sit there and say, What did I do? What did I say? How come they ignored me? I have a tendency to place undue emphasis on self. And there may be nothing in me that caused that. It may be that because they're like some of us that either have selective hearing or actually do have hearing problems. Didn't hear. It may be that the individual is going through a trial or a tribulation and that's where their mind is at that present time. They're thinking about something that they're having to deal with. And so they didn't hear the response. So we think, well, what did I do? Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. We see it in the world oftentimes as individuals who basically have killed themselves to build up a company believing that they're indispensable to that company. 
But when you die, guess what? The company goes on. You're not indispensable. We're not indispensable individuals. Sometimes that's hard on the ego. You're here to serve God. He's the supreme one. We're simply his servants. They were servants before me, they're servants with me, and they'll be servants after we're gone. Ours is to be a servant while the time God has given to us here in serving him. Doing the things that are pleasing in his sight, to be able to do it was joy. You counted a joy to serve? To be faithful in God's service. Think soberly. Get realistic about it. Realize God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We're all different. We understand that in the physical realm. We're all different. There are individuals who are multi-talented. They can, it doesn't matter what they do. We, we know that from professional athletes. There's some who can play baseball or football. Basketball, whatever it is, they can go from sport to sport and compete in there. Some of us can compete in any of those equally bad. It doesn't matter which one it is. You can always come up short on those. But do you understand, God gave each one a different measure of faith, talent, capability, opportunities. They're all different. Do we understand for, for as, for as we have many members in one body, not all the members have the same function. Physical body, they all have different functions. But that's one body. And they all work together for the one body. Whatever the little finger does, is not to draw attention to the little finger and say, look what I've done, or for the thumb. You know, if you didn't have the thumb, how would you hold a book? You use the thumb and the four fingers to hold a book. The thumb doesn't say, look what I'm able to do. I'm more important than four of you over there. No, it's for the body to be able to function as one all under the direction of the head, which is Christ. We're given the physical illustration. You carry it around with you every single day that you live. You understand all the things that go along in the physical body. You can understand one member hurt. They all hurt along, along with it. They work and they compensate one another to help one another. But the purpose is for there to be a body that functions as one to bring glory and honor to the body, now to the head, who is Christ. The glory is to go to the head. Again, you see, you see it in the physical body. You find a tight end and you tell them, man, you've got a terrific pair of hands can catch uh, a pass that seems in, incapable of being catched or caught. And the hands just, they, they just, the hands just swell up. No, they don't. The head swells up. The glory goes to the head. Spiritually, the glory goes to the head. The head is Christ. Whatever we do as a body collectively together, 
each member doing their particular function is so that Christ can be glorified. That this is the body of Jesus Christ here on this earth to bring glory and honor to His name. And we do not all have that same function. And so we understand the purpose there. We, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We work together. So if you have the different gifts, you use those. Those may be the miraculous gifts here. We would understand those gifts to be talents, capabilities, whatever they may be. But whatever it is you have, you use it for the glory of the body. And the, the members do not have to say, do you know what I did for the body today? Let me give you a tally sheet of what I've done. The body doesn't work that way. And the spiritual body doesn't work that way either. The job is done. And as we strive to be that body who has that same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, as we work and function together, we're not thinking about us individually. And that's hard for us to do because we look with the physical eye. I see you as individual members sitting there. I see you as separate individuals. And it's hard for us to get to function or the view in our mind, this is a body. And we're not all going to do the same thing. We'll compliment one another, we'll help one another, and we may not ever know. The little finger may not ever know what the little toe did to help the body out. Do we trust God? Why again in the song, I beseech you by the mercies of God, I beg you by the mercies that God gives to us. Give that life to God. Be His servant. Listen to the words that we sing in this invitation song. Listen to them. I surrender all. Are you going to be able to say that with an honest, pure, sincere heart? Without a moment's hesitation, without a question in your heart, or in your mind, you mean exactly what you are singing this evening. All to Jesus I surrender, and all to Him I, what? Freely give. You look at your heart. You look at your life. You consider your relationship to God. Is it where it needs to be? If you need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you in that decision, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.